At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Sowing the seeds of cannabis and sounding the praise of our favorite plants, it's time to Hemp Resent. Our radio resident Hempo Sapien, Vivian McPeak, will present a weekly platform for guests and listeners to Hemp Resent about hemp and cannabis from the legal, activist, and reformist route. Let's round up and roll it up for our headmaster of hemp, Vivian McPeak. Welcome to Hemp Present, hypnotherapy for the cannabis enthusiast, bringing you weekly dispatches from the front lines of the struggle for cannabis equality and taking internet radio to a new high. Hemp Present is the weekly radio show where you can get your PhD in THC because you don't just want to burn it, you want to learn it. I'm your host, Vivian McPeak. I'm the executive director of the world's largest annual cannabis event, the Seattle Hemp Fest, entering its 25th year and founded at HempFest.org. Over 100,000 attendees strong, Seattle Hemp Fest remains one of the flagship events of the global cannabis culture. I'm also the author of the book, Protestable, a 20-year retrospective of Seattle Hemp Fest from AHA Publishing. Seeking to defeat prohibition one interview at a time and advocating for the plant, the whole plant, and nothing but the plant. Join me for a weekly reefer radio rebellion against prohibition as I speak with some of the principal movers and shakers of the cannabis movement. Transmitting from inside a counterculture stronghold perched precariously within an undisclosed enclave located somewhere in the Soviet of Seattle, my goal is to expose the dark moral crevices of prohibition to the living light of Toker Truth. Today's guest on Hemp Present is bioscientist Mowgli Holmes, who will join me in a few minutes. But first, a thought process emanated from my resin-drenched organic tissue microprocessor. Meet the genome. No, the roaming gnome has not gone gangsta. A genome is any complete set of genetic instructions for a particular organism. Now, that doesn't sound, at face value, nearly as interesting as a foot-and-a-half-tall bearded plaster garden gnome adorned in ball cap sports jersey and gold chains, but bear with me, because it is. All of the information needed to build any organism or living thing and allow it to grow and develop is contained in each genome. Imagine, if you will, if a house could build itself or if a car could fix itself, because that's what's going on in the natural world every single day. Many trillions of cells make up our human bodies, each with their own set of instructions to create us, a blueprint for our being, each of us a living Heath kit. 
Each genome is made up of DNA. Each cell in the body, whether it is a hair cell or a heart cell, contains this same set of DNA instructions. Our growth, development, and health comes from a unique chemical code within our DNA, which forms a twisted double helix structure that literally makes us who we are, each and every one of us, one of a kind, for better or for worse. The single strands of DNA coil into structures called chromosomes, which are located in the nucleus that exists within every cell. Each gene brings a specific protein to the table, which build, maintain, and regulate your body. Genes operate your heart muscles, build your bones, and determine what you will look like. To give you an idea how small these buggers are, the genome of a human being is made up of 3.2 billion bases of DNA. All of the letters in any human's genome would take as much as 100 years to recite at the rate of one letter per second for 24 hours a day. The first person to describe how traits are passed down from one generation to another was an Australian monk named Gregor Mendel, who made the discovery in the 1800s. He observed that pea plants inherited color and smoothness traits, in particular patterns from their parents. While Mendel is considered the father of genetics, it wasn't until a century later that other scientists latched onto his work and took it further to where it stands today. Now, you might think, what does all this have to do with cannabis? Well, all living things have a unique genome, including plants, and qualities such as the shape, color, smell, and even the amount of trichomes produced by a plant is determined by the genome phenotype. Through careful and mindful manipulation, cannabis strains have been optimized to produce buds, leaves, stalks, and oils that would otherwise never have existed on Earth, or at least not within our lifetimes. But I am just a pot activist, internet radio host. I am not a molecular geneticist. However, I have one here with me today who can tell me how much of this I've gotten wrong. Malkley Holmes is a biologist trained in molecular genetics, microbiology, and evolutionary theory. He received his Ph.D. from Columbia University Department of Microbiology and Immunology, where he was a National Research Service Award Fellow. Holmes is the chief scientific officer of Phylos Bioscience, a biotechnology firm leading the development of cannabis genomes. His molecular organism is here with me today. Welcome, Malkley, to him present on Cannabis Radio. Now, you actually have a Ph.D. in THC. That's right. Well, now I do. <laughs> <laughs> I read somewhere that your goal is to allow the genome to remain in the public domain and prohibit certain strains of cannabis from being patented, in your words, just to piss off Monsanto. Now, I want to let you know that I busted out with a shit-eating grin when I read that. But what's that all about? Well, what that's about is that right now there's no protection, no patent protection available for cannabis strains. And in the rest of the agricultural world, you can get patents on plants. But a lot of us believe that you shouldn't be able to patent plants and that you definitely shouldn't be able to patent cannabis. The way the normal patent world works is that when things have been out for a while, they've been circulating, they've been in the commercially available, then they're in the public domain. They belong to everybody. If you invent something, but you sell it for a while first, and then you go and file a patent for it, you can't get it because... It's been out, and, you know, the U.S. Patent Office can't figure out where it came from. You know, you have to file that patent before you make it available. So stuff that's been circulating, it belongs to everybody. It's in the public domain, and all the cannabis strains that we know and love, those are all in the public domain. But because the U.S. government isn't paying any attention to cannabis, not in the way that we might like, they're also not keeping track of what's in the public domain and what's not. So it is possible that when big companies come in, and they will come in shortly, they could take famous strains that have been around for a long time and just rename them and patent them. And there'd be no evidence that they didn't make them themselves. So since we're sequencing all the strains we can get our hands on to map out how they're related and figure out the evolutionary history of cannabis, 
we realized that we could use that data as proof that all of the stuff that's around today belongs to everybody and is in the public domain and stop it from being patented. Wow, that's really scientific missionary work, man. That's awesome that you're doing that. You've also said that by mapping the cannabis genome, your team will better understand the medicinal and recreational components of cannabis, therefore allowing people to get more out of them. What does mapping the cannabis genome mean, and in what ways can you improve certain cannabis users' experience? In other words, why are you excited about your work right now? Well, listen, you can tell by your intro that you're prepared to get deep into some hardcore molecular biology, which usually (laughs) I don't get to do. (laughs) <laughs> when I'm talking about cannabis as much as I might want to. But think, you know, when you were explaining what DNA is, right, cannabis and humans, we're just organisms. We have cells with nuclei, and in, in the nucleus of every cell is the DNA that encodes all the protein molecules that make up our organism. And those protein molecules, the instructions that DNA carries, they make these big, really huge molecules called proteins and the proteins are like little machines and there's two really important classes of proteins. There's a bunch of other ones, but there's two that, that matter for us. One is there's some proteins that are enzymes and they chop up little tiny organic molecules, the kind of molecules that serve as drugs. They're tiny, simple molecules. They can get through the blood brain barrier and the vast majority of drugs that you can buy are these little organic molecules. So genes encode enzymes that can mix and match building blocks of small molecules and make new kinds of drugs. Other kinds of genes encode proteins that sit on the outer membrane of cells, they're receptors. And these small molecules, which can be drugs or many thousands of them are made as signaling molecules inside our own bodies, these small molecules float along and they bind to receptors. And then the receptors transmit signals to the insides of cells. So... Cannabis has a series of genes that encode synthases, which are enzymes that synthesize cannabinoids. So there's a gene for THC synthase, and THC synthase is a big-ass molecule that creates THC, which is this little molecule. And it looks just like a little molecule that humans have in their own brains called anandamide. And humans have genes that encode big proteins that serve as receptors that sit in cell walls and anandamide binds to those one, one of those receptors called the CB1 receptor. But THC can also bind to that receptor. So the funny thing is that the plant is like a combinatorial chemistry experiment. It makes this whole series of molecules that no other plant makes that really efficiently explore all those shape space around this whole series of human molecules, the endocannabinoid receptors. And so it starts to seem to us like that plants are this this kind of chemical factory that humans live in symbiosis with. And cannabis in particular, we've had around for 10,000 years because it makes this whole series of molecules that can interact with this whole series of important molecules in humans. And so what we're really interested in is finding out what the rest of those cannabinoids are and how humans might interact with them. Right now, the world just blew open because we started to realize, oh, hey, there's another one, CBD, that does transformative things and maybe he's been doing them for a while and we didn't really know but we're just at the tip of the iceberg so as we start to look at all the other genes in cannabis we're going to start to find out how we can identify these other cannabinoids and how we can tickle the human endocannabinoid system with them so that's what we're most excited about 
I got about two minutes before I got to go to break. So, are we talking about genetic modification? Should people be concerned about Frankenweed or new strains appearing on the market that drink Roundup? I think people should be concerned about it because people know how to do it for most plant types, and they'll figure out how to do it for cannabis. Here in Oregon, some of the legislators were seriously considering passing an anti-GMO weed bill, and we were really hoping they would do that. But you know, it's amazing how much opposition there is from the traditional agricultural industry to anything like that, yeah. even with crops they're not willing to deal with yet. So, you know, in some ways, I think people will do this and it's going to be a thing in the future. But some part of me also feels like if there's ever an industry that wasn't going to tolerate that commercially, it's this industry. So I sort of feel like as long as we have ways of identifying GMO crops, which is something we need for the rest of the world, this industry would just say, no, we don't want that. And the fact is that even for big companies who are trying to develop new varieties, traditional breeding with this plant is so powerful. It's hard to see why you would want to genetically modify it. If there's something magic you want out of it, you can get it by crossing it with other plants. I am speaking with Mowgli Holmes from Phylos Bioscience on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio. We're going to take a quick pause for the cause because there's flaws and laws coming right back. Stay with us. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. shooting past a thousand degrees Fahrenheit. It's burning up. I'm afraid for this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Dr. Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Dr. Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, (laughs) more flavor. Educator, author, and advocate, Dr. Mitch Earlywine is here to tackle the burning issues. And I'm here to clear up the myths about cannabis and burn them away with science. CannabisRadio.com presents a no-holds-barred platform that seeks to redefine and revolutionize the entire scope of the cannabis culture while opening the door for more to join the cannabis crusade. Dr. Kevin Hill. You can't ignore the fact that, like alcohol, Most people who use don't have a problem, so I think that you need to think about policy in that way while educating people properly about marijuana. I think that's the way to go. Burning Issues, only on CannabisRadio.com. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with Mowgli Holmes. Mowgli, what is the Cannabis Evolution Project? So the Cannabis Evolution Project is the study that we're doing in collaboration with the American Museum of Natural History in New York. We've been collecting all of the diverse strains from all over the world that we can, all the modern polyhybrid varieties that you find in dispensaries, land race samples that we've been collecting from all over the world, and then critically some of the sort of first-generation and second-generation hybrids that transformed the world, really, in the 60s and 70s. 
early crosses like Acapulco Gold and, you know, things like that, early foundational first-gen crosses. And those are hard to find because, you know, they've been bred out of existence. So we've been collecting old samples that people have lying around. We can get DNA from anything. And then just mapping out how they're all related. I mean, we've been really looking at the way that humans carried cannabis around the entire earth with them for the last 10,000 years and brought it to every corner of the earth and it differentiated into land races. And then all those land races came back to the United States in the sixties and seventies and intermingled. And, you know, in a way cannabis is almost a clue to the migratory patterns of humans because it has followed us everywhere. And we want to just map out how cannabis moved around the world, where the varieties that we know about came from, and try to tell a story about the history of this this plant that we love. So we have samples from pharmacy shelves, from medicines that were taken off the pharmacy shelves in 1937 when the Marijuana Tax Act passed. And, you know, there's plant material in those. We can get DNA from those. And, you know, where did they come from? Did they come up from through South America from hemp varieties that were brought over by the conquistadors? Did they come from Chinese varieties that were brought over by Chinese immigrants in the late 1800s. We don't know, but as we sequence them, we can map out how they're all related and we can figure out the history. And then we can also kind of use it as a survey of the existing diversity that's out there and figure out how we can preserve that diversity and avoid monoculture and maybe return some of the ancient varieties that people love to life by careful preservationist breeding. So in a way, Mowgli... Cannabis can act as nature's spokesplant, speaking to us through the rooted wisdom of its DNA. I think that's a good way to say it. Was Phylos Bioscience the first molecular plant science company in the cannabis field, or were there others when you guys founded? No, there, there were a couple others. Very, very few. You know, traditional academic researchers at universities can't do any work with this plant because universities are so worried about their federal funding. Uh, you know, we're all working hard to change that. So, you know, the only other people who really had done much work on it, I mean, that's not, that's not true, right? There, we have some really important predecessors, right? I mean, obviously, Raphael Mishulam, Israel, and Carl yeah, Hillary at the University of Indiana did incredible work. And it's hard to understand how he managed to do all of that. He did foundational work on cannabis taxonomy. So there've been people here and there. Robert Clark did amazing work with someone at the University of Hawaii named Mark Merlin. So we have some wisdom that's come down to us. Ernie Small did important work. In general, they were outside of the U.S., right? But in 2011, a guy named John Page in Canada sequenced the, can the cannabis genome for the first time. And at around the same time, a guy named Kevin McKernan, working out of a company in Massachusetts, also sequenced the cannabis genome. So we have a little bit of company, but not much. On the Phylos Bioscience website, which is uh, P-H-Y-L-O-S, phylosbioscience.com. It lists one of the business's goals as being to solve the plant biology problems that both breeders and pharmaceutical companies will face as they move forward with the development of cannabis-based medicines. Can you give an example of a few of the kind of problems you're referring to in that statement? Right. So one of the most important things that growers face now, one of the most important problems and when, you know, when we talk about solving plant biology problems for pharmaceutical companies, all we mean is figuring out how we can get plants to produce these other cannabinoids so we can study them and do clinical studies on them so that we can make plant-based medicine that's not just THC. 
But right. the problems that growers are facing, pesticide use, as you maybe know, has skyrocketed in the last few years. As well, yeah. the clone market has spread plant diseases around and all of this new commercial opportunity has created a lot of new commercial pressure. And sure, there's a lot of competition. Of a lot of people are looking for that profit margin. They don't care how they get it. That's right. And in the normal agricultural world, you get help and education from land-grant universities, from ag departments, and, and, and our growers don't get any of that. So, th- so a lot of them are looking for profit. A lot of them just don't know what they're using. They don't understand. They've been told by their buddies that stuff has a, a really quick half-life. Oh, you can spray this on be, you know, way before flower. It'll be gone by the time your plants flower. Don't worry about it. And they all just right. don't know. Anyway, so we know that pesticide use is all over. We've, you know, one of the labs we work with, has found it on over half of the medical marijuana samples in in Oregon. And, you know, a lot of states are working at putting in tough new laws that will decrease pesticide use. But, you know, that's a regulatory fight. But what we can do as researchers is help find the genes that control pest resistance. I mean, you know, the growers are facing really serious problems with mites lately. And, they're just getting worse and worse. And unless we work together as a modern agricultural industry, the way other ones do and figure out how, how do you breed plants that are resistant to pests that can survive difficult conditions and grow and, and be strong in different environments, you know, we're going to be relying on pesticides. We're about to make a transition where regulatorily you can't dump pesticides on your plants and it's great. But unless we teach growers how to get away from it, you know, we're going to be hurting them. Mowgli, what is the biggest misnomer in your mind that's out there about your brand of work? Are there any prevailing myths that you'd like to shatter about your kind of work? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there are. First of all, we don't work for the CIA. (laughs) We hate Monsanto. And we don't want to patent anything. So that's the the general prevailing myth is that because we're a biotech company – we want to right. steal your plants. You're the enemy. Genetically modify them and sell them to Monsanto. What is next generation sequencing? So next gen sequencing is just I could get into the details of it, but Oh, for for, you know, for it, stoners. It, it lets <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it just lets you dump a DNA sample in a machine and then produce an incredible amount of sequence data from it. So you can sequence a whole plant genome well, actually, the cannabis genome is so insane that this isn't true for cannabis. You can sequence a whole genome in a day for most organisms, and you can sequence thousands and thousands of samples in a few weeks. So it lets you do big studies like we're doing, you know, where we're sequencing thousands of samples. That's another one of the myths that I want to bust. So people think that maybe you can patent a plant with DNA. You can't patent anything with DNA. All you can do is study it and, you know, do research. You can't, you can't own anything. Malgly, right now, uh, mainstream medicine is pretty much in the global grips of the pharmaceutical industry, an industry that's shown little interest in cannabis and its promise, at least in the sense that they're going to let us do all the work and then march in at the last minute and try to assume control. At least that's how it seems. Do you think there's an awareness of pharmaceutical, uh, of the kind of imbalance of pharmaceutical science uh, spreading? Do you think that there's hope around the corner for things to change and that pot will play a role in it? I do. So I don't know the stuff we learn from pot can can lead into these other areas, but we can hope that it can. But with cannabis itself, 
you know, there's two ways it, it could go when you look at GW Pharma, right? So GW Pharma is the one really big cannabinoid medicine pharmaceutical company. And they, in fact, they have two of their products are fast-tracked right now by the FDA and could very well be on the market in the United States in a year or two. But one thing about those guys is that they use whole plant medicine. They use whole plant extracts. You know, somebody was smart enough in their company to understand the matrix effect, to understand why Marinol and pure THC medicine didn't work, and to understand that there's other magic in the plant. You need a, you need a kind of combination medicine to really be effective. And so they have these whole plant extract medicines that they're going to standardize and make pharmaceutical quality and probably get approved by the FDA. And at that point, there's two ways things could go, right? U.S. government could say, wait a minute, now we've got a pharmaceutical-grade cannabis medicine. It's time to stop all these people from smoking pot because you can go out and buy it now and it's standardized. And maybe it costs $3,000 a week and your insurance doesn't cover it, but that's how we normally do business anyway, so who cares? We can't or have everybody smoking any pot. Uh, Malgley, I've got to go to a quick break. Hold that thought. We're going to take a quick pause for the cause. Listen to some words from our sponsors. We'll be right back for the final questions for Malgley Holmes. Time to roll out for the people that let us hemp present. Hang loose. We're coming right back. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. From high atop Mount Soldad in San Diego, California, 100 feet above sea level. Good morning. It's good news with cannabis nurse Heather. This plant is amazing. Positive change is happening. We did it. No matter who you are, you can make a positive impact on the world. I would rather be illegally alive than legally dead. And that quote helped to give you strength. Nurse Heather is only on CannabisRadio.com. Good morning, Cannabis Nurse Heather. We're back to Hemp Presents, only on Cannabis Radio. Now, back to our headstrong emperor of hemp, Vivian McPeak. And we are back on Hemp Present on Cannabis Radio with the final questions for Mowgli Holmes. Mowgli, if there's some young person listening to this show, or not young person, who's considering pursuing a career in bioscience, what would you say to them? Jesus, well, I don't want to recommend that anybody goes and get a, gets a PhD because it's extraordinarily unpleasant doing that. <laughs> Definitely, if you're you know, a pod person and you're interested in genetics and science, I mean, there is this new industry springing up around cannabis science. You can go work in a testing lab. You can go work at companies like ours that are trying to do basic science around cannabis. 
And, you know, it's kind of another little avenue into the scientific world for people. And, you know, I would explore that. The traditional bioscience world is really kind of obsessed with producing drug targets for big pharmaceutical companies to make drugs that attack and make lots of money, often without really curing any diseases. It can get a little bit disillusioning, but I still think science is a beautiful thing. And if you can find a topic you love, it's worth it. Hey, listen, let me just say the last thing about that GW Pharma thing. You know, I think we're all worried that big companies could make it so that it becomes a pharmaceutical medicine. But what we're really hoping is that what GW Pharma did is going to shoot, they're really going to shoot themselves in the foot because what's going to happen is that we're going to look up and say, you know what, whole plant medicine works. It works in these pills, and that means it works with the whole plant. And it's going to be a huge validation. Instead of stopping people growing in their backyards, it's going to be a huge validation of the fact that this is whole plant medicine. It grows everywhere. You can make it. You can apply it yourself, and we don't need that kind of regulation around it. Mowgli Holmes from Phylos Bioscience. My time's up. Thanks again for being on Hemp Present on Canvas Radio. Happy trails to you, bro. You too. Thanks, Viv. I want to get to a weekly feature of Hemp Present on Canvas Radio. That's the quote of the week, and here it is. The seven social sins are wealth without work, pleasure without conscience, knowledge without character, commerce without morality, science without humanity, worship without sacrifice, and politics without principle. And that's from a sermon given by Frederick Lewis Donaldson in Westminster Abbey, London, on March 20th, 1925. That concludes this installment of Hemp Present on Canvas Radio. I want you to email me at hemppresent at gmail.com. Join me next week for some reefer repartee with some special hempasabian on a journey for justice. I want to thank my peeps in the control room, Hannah and Brasco, my sponsors and my advertisers, because when it comes to prohibition, you got the right not to remain silent. Activism requires a voice, so find yours to speak up for justice because resistance is fertile. Until then, stay strong, stand tall, and take it easy, and don't forget to email me at hemppresent at gmail.com. Theme song provided by Stickerbush. Turn up the music, maestro. I'm out. Marijuana. THC. Sweet sativa. Dicko queen. Santalia. Delta 9. Smoke the ganja. All the time. We got to free the weed. Take back the plant. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park
When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.